Hello and welcome to Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Nedden, and today we're going to be discussing an article from our March print issue, the James Webb Space Telescope. I'm joined by Kristen Grant, our online managing editor and the author of the article. Hi, glad to be here. As well as Kevin Cook, who's an astrophysics PhD candidate. Hey, thanks for the invitation. Of course. So to start us off, Kristen, could you please explain what this article talks about? All right. So this article is all about, as the title suggests, the James Webb Space Telescope and RIT's involvement in the research that's going to be pioneering, as well as our school's kind of looking to see what we can do with the next generation of telescopes as well. Okay, so what does this telescope do? So the James Webb Space Telescope really is uh, the next generation of space telescopes, which brings a new capability for seeing the earliest galaxies in the universe, as well as better uh, observation capability to see in construction solar systems nearby. So it's really going to teach us about the origins of uh, planets and solar systems as well as the origins for galaxies. Okay, so the article mentioned the Hubble Space Telescope a couple times in comparison. My first question is, does this like, how does this stack up to the Hubble Space Telescope, the most famous Mm -hmm. space telescope there is? So the JWST really is a successor and not a direct replacement to the Hubble Space Telescope. Hubble has uh, a mirror that's about 2.4 meters in diameter, uh, which is still pretty uh, a pretty good size. Uh, JWST has a mirror that's 6.5 meters, so it can collect a whole lot more light, but it looks at a different type of light uh, than the Hubble Space Telescope can. Uh, Hubble looks at optical light just like our eyes, whereas JWST looks at infrared light, which really tells us something about uh, objects that are either farther out in the universe or that are very cold and nearby. Topics like this always kind of make my head spin. So why does looking at a different kind of light let us see different things? So different processes emit different light naturally, uh, just based on the temperature of what's happening. Uh, For example, the hotter something is, the more energetic a kind of light it'll give off. So as something gets hotter and hotter, it may emit from the infrared, or as it gets hotter in the optical, or even hotter, ultraviolet, for example. And another effect is that as all these galaxies out in the universe are receding away from us, uh, as the universe is expanding, which is a whole other huge topic, uh, the light that is being emitted actually gets stretched out into lower energies, which is precisely in the infrared, which is where JWST is going to observe, which is exactly why we built it. Okay, I'm, I'm kind of following. Um, so what is RIT's part in this? So uh, my advisor, uh, Dr. Jehan Kartaltepe, is one of the major contributors to one of the early release science projects that JWST will be doing. Uh, this is called the Sears Survey for Cosmic Evolution Early Release Science. Uh, as the telescope is being calibrated and as it's, get, as it's kind of getting used to itself, Uh, out in space, uh, there's a bunch of early projects that NASA wanted to be done to really test out the capabilities of the telescope. So they put out a call for proposals saying, well, what what are the best things that we can do to to test out? And uh, my advisor was part of a team for one of these projects. Um, Okay, so what exactly is the project that you are working on? So right now, I'm working on the evolution of the most massive galaxies in the universe. How do you piece these galaxies together? Where do their stars come from? And James Webb in the future is really going to help me answer these questions by seeing the earliest stages of galaxy evolution. 
And because Dr. Cartalope is part of this research group that will be studying, you know, the first data that is received from the James Webb Space Telescope, RIT will really be pioneering in how to use all this data, which is an amazing opportunity for our school. What other future advances do we see following this telescope? So uh, the James Webb Space Telescope is unique in that it's a transforming telescope. It's not a single object that is built and finished on the ground in a final configuration and then launched. Uh, it's uh, basically the, the mirror is too big to be launched on any rockets that we currently have. So the sides of the mirror actually fold back and this uh, huge sun shield that it has to keep itself cool is rolled up. So after it's launched, uh, it basically unfolds and transforms into its final form. And that is something that took a lot of money, a lot of engineering know-how for people to figure out. And that may be how future space telescopes are going to work. That's pretty cool. I also had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Feiger in the Center for Detectors. And what detectors do is that they're actually placed in the telescope and they notify the computers about the presence of light. And so right now, detectors are kind of confined to a certain size based on the wafer that supports the detector material. Uh, and those wafer materials can often be very, very, very expensive. And what Dr. Feiger and his team are doing is they're trying to put them on silicon wafers, which are the same type that you have in your phone, for example. So there's a ton of industry already there to make silicon wafers. The problem is, is the technology is not to the point yet where you can put detector material on these wafers. So what Dr. Feiger and his team are doing at the Center of Detectors is that they're trying to find a way, like, can we take all this technology and infrastructure that is supporting this one type of wafer, and can we somehow put it on the telescope? And what that means for future generations of telescope is that you could have huge detectors that are able to process a lot more data and it could mean a kind of the next step. So even though the wafers are already, or the detectors are already decided for the JWST, there's a possibility in the future of like, what sort of technology can we have on the future telescopes? And that's something RIT is also exploring. Awesome, but for now the JWST is still a big leap forward. And in the article you mentioned that there's a lot of data, um, like simulated data that you guys are making to start testing out uh, what sort of things you're gonna look at. Um, so do you guys have any sort of uh, hypotheses that you plan on testing? Any, any thoughts about what you might discover? So the discovery of new things really is one of the big exciting things. Uh, currently, a lot of our observations of early galaxies are really blobs uh, because telescopes have only been good enough to detect that they're there, but they don't have the resolving power to actually show you what it looks like. And so some of the practice data that people are going through right now for James Webb is learning exactly how to process some of the images that we're going to get and actually resolve really close and fine features in early galaxies so we can really learn whether or not they were like symmetrical or asymmetrical. Uh, does their shape actually matter for their, for their formation and questions like that. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm computer science, so this is kind of like a question that interests me personally. Um, when you've got a, a big old satellite floating out there taking these enormous photos, I guess you could call them, what, what do they send you? Do they send you like some, some file format that only you're prepared to use? What, 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 how do you communicate with the, with the telescope from a lab here in RIT? 
So the telescope sends data uh, on a pretty regular basis to ground stations here on the ground, usually in its own custom format. And then those kind of get processed into a raw image that is then made available to the scientists that proposed uh, for the telescope to take that image. And once we get a hold of a raw image like that, then we actually go through the process of uh, reprocessing the image, getting rid of some of the noise in the image and make it look really nice so that we can get better science out of it than if we just took it directly from the telescope. So is this data available to anyone who wants to look at it or is RIT special? So this early release science, uh, particularly the, the kind that uh, RIT is involved in, uh, this data is specifically for uh, the community to practice on. So pretty much as soon as uh, this survey is, is taken using JWST, it will be available to the general public and the general scientific public. Uh, that is because uh, NASA and all the organizations involved want to give scientists the opportunity to practice with some real data before they send in their proposals for the formal uh, like science proposals cycle one or cycle two that will dominate the, the years of JWST being on online. Okay, so is there anything that you personally want to see like in the next five to ten years come out of this telescope, like something, your, your dream for a physics discovery? Uh, what I would really like to see is an image of uh, early galaxies merging. So we see galaxies merging in the local universe, and we can see that it's a very messy process with stars and their gas supplies basically going in many directions. And in the early universe, we believe galaxies to be much more gas-dominated because they haven't formed a lot of their stars yet. And it would be really interesting to, to learn how these systems are combining together when they really don't have too many stars at all at that point, but are really just systems of gas. That does sound pretty fascinating. Um, Kristen, from the people that you interviewed, did it sound like they have anything that they're looking forward to seeing? I think a lot of people are just excited to see what the early universe looked like. Because right now there's a whole lot of questions about how galaxies are formed, you know, how stars initially are formed into galaxies. And I think that we haven't really been able to see that currently, if I'm correct. And so that's you know, answering those questions that have been held for so long is something that's really exciting. And I think that's when I talk to people, that's something that they're really eager to see. Okay, so I'm not a physics expert, but I feel like there's only a certain distance back we can look. Is that right? Yep. So that's exactly right. Uh, so there's uh, this hard limit where too early in the universe and the universe is so compact that it's opaque to light. Uh, we've observed that point in uh, the microwave, so some people may have heard of the cosmic microwave background, uh, and so that's been a very special observation that people have used, but we can never really look further than that, and there's a gap in between that furthest observation and some of the earliest galaxies that we've seen with Hubble, for example, and JWST will be able to fill in that gap of that era when the universe was first transparent to light. So that, that like opaque microwave layer We'll never see past that. With, with uh, telescopes that rely on light, correct. Are there other options? So in the distant, distant future, uh, if we were ever able to get either neutrino telescopes or gravitational wave telescopes, maybe we could, we <laughs> could look that far back. But we're talking about technology that'll take you know, centuries to, to really use. But for right now, the JWST is taking us a step closer. Exactly. And, and a big step, I guess, for, for sensors that use light waves. Exactly. 
Um, all right, so I think that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Um, to our listeners, I ask you to, as usual, look for this article when it hits the shelves in March or it goes up on rporter.rit.edu. Um, follow us at Reporter Mag on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and Twitter. And as per usual, call Rings or text Rings. The number is 585-672-4840. Share any random middle-of-the-night thoughts you have, and maybe it'll get featured in the, art, uh, in the magazine if it's interesting enough. Thanks for listening.